Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. And top of the morning, and welcome in to Inside the Clubhouse. I'm David Schuster, filling in for Matt Spiegel. He, of course, is Bruce Levine. We're going to keep you company up until 11 o'clock this morning. Our phone number, as always, 312-644-6767. And, of course, you can text us at 67011. And our producer and co-pilot this morning is Eli Hershkovich. And good morning, I say, to my friend Bruce Levine. Yeah, it's great to be back in Chicago after six weeks in the desert. And uh, Chicago baseball style is in Full blast now. Cubs and Sox back in action today. And it's just, you know, the the best time of the year, opening day. Everywhere, 30 cities or, you know, 30 teams in almost 30 cities, all thinking they have a chance to win. And uh, what's better than that? By the way, David, Inside the Clubhouse brought to you by Max and Benny's in Northbrook, your home for the best food in Chicagoland. Here's the checklist. The best deli, Yes. The best restaurant, indeed. The best bakery on the North Shore, no doubt about it. Max and Benny serves dinners from 4 to 9 p.m. They feature full meals of roast beef, chicken, the freshest whitefish and salmon in the city. Baking goods to die for includes sugar cookies, mandel bread, homemade bagels, bialis, rye bread, challah, all at Max and Benny's. Private party room and business meeting area can uh, handle 10 to 150 people. Catering is king at Max and Benny's. Ask for John, maxandbennys.com. 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Love you some Max and Benny's in Northbrook. Love you some baseball opening day style. Worked out well for the Cubs, not for the White Sox. Funny, David, every year when the season opens, uh, that first game is like, oh, Cubs, you know, we're going to win 162. And the White Sox, oh, doom and gloom. You know, we lost our first game. Are we going to be any good? You know, will people talk about firing the manager? Will any of the players be any good this year? It's funny how overreaction occurs. A hundred percent. Bruce, I'm a little bit jaded, but I think we got a really good show here this morning. Let me run down the guest list. First of all, at 940, we have Cubs assistant general manager Scott Harris. At 1030, we have White Sox general manager Rick Hahn. We also have some uh, tape we're going to hear from Theo Epstein throughout the show, and I know you did an interview with John Lester. Right, and uh, you know we're always available at three one two six four four six seven six seven. Text David at six seventy eleven. He'll read some of them. Uh, he doesn't like to read a lot of them. You know, be nice to David on the on the text line, okay? Yeah, you know, Bruce, I, I did a show the other night, and it was uh, opening night. Um, and I, I'm going to throw this out to you because uh, I brought this up the other night as well. Do you remember the very first time you went to a major league ballpark? I'm not talking sure. about as a professional. I'm talking about likely as a little kid. I'm going to give you my experience. I want to hear from you, and I'd love to hear from the class as well. Again, 312-644-6767. I was six, seven, eight years old on terrible on chronological years. 
My father took me to the ballpark. It was on the south side, the old Comiskey Park. And I don't remember the game. And a lot of people remember, you know, what game, you know, Grobstein remembers, of course, you know, what happened in his very first game. I don't. But I do remember walking up the stairs behind home plate and seeing the outfield green grass for the first time. And I was just captivated and I was sold right then and there. I had to do this going forward. Same experience for me, David. It was just the magnitude of a green field um, with the, uh, you know, the, Big ballpark. I was the same age. I was six. And uh, first uh, guy I talked to was, uh, you know, Joe Tinker of the uh, Cubs back in 1906. Wow. Yeah. wow. And uh, they were playing at Westside Park at that time. Okay. But it was a, it was a great experience. And uh, <laughs> my uncle took me there. But no, it was, it was a long time ago. But it was the same experience. And that's the thing I fear most for young kids these days, David, is that they don't get a chance to go. It's a corporate game. And, uh, you know, especially in the north side where they're sold out every game. Uh, tickets are high because it's a it's great team, great demand. And, you know, young kids just can't get together at 10, 11, 12, 13, hop on the L, hop on a bus, and just go to the ballpark and, you know, tell your mom you're going to be home at 6 o'clock or 8 o'clock or whatever. It's just a, a different world. And that's that's when you fall in love with the game is when you go to the ballpark for the first time. And I know you're really big on this, Bruce, about having tickets available, especially for young people, at a discounted price. Because let's face it, the prices of tickets nowadays are up in the upper stratosphere. And I know you're really big on teams. And maybe we'll talk to both uh, Scott Harris and, and Rick right. about that. Uh, because uh, I've talked to both owners, uh, you know, to Jerry Reinsdorf and to uh, Tom Ricketts about this, say, you know, I understand you're in the business of selling tickets and making a profit, but the long range plan is to make sure that your young base is interested and willing to come out to games. If you train them to stay home and watch them on TV, they're going to stay home and watch them on TV. If they don't have a chance, as you related to fall in love with the game by seeing the green grass and seeing the difference it is between watching a game on television and being at the ballpark. And you can't smell those hot dogs on the grill from your TV at home. you got to go to the ballpark. No, no. That was another part of that very first time I ever yeah, went with it, my father. And you smell the onions grilling. And, you know, <laughs> it's just it's a total experience that everybody should be able to go through. Great minds think alike, Bruce, and, and this is you know, something I was thinking about, and we talked about this before the show because you were thinking the same thing. We're going to throw this out again to the class, 312-644-6767. Again, you can text us at 67011. The two most important players on each team in town for the White Sox and the Cubs in order for them to be successful. They don't have to be your best players, but the two most important players, I'll give you mine. You go ahead first. Well, for the Chicago Cubs, it's a uh... – Pedro Strope, uh, 100% Pedro Strope. Why? Well, with uh, Brandon Morrow on the DL, he's going to be your quasi-closer. Joe would not name him the closer, but he's going to be your back-end guy most of the time, closing out the game or coming in at a very important time in the eighth inning to uh, shut down a team that uh, is either approaching or he wants to keep the game at a certain level. So for me, it's Strope. Uh <clears throat> You don't win any games without the back end of your bullpen functioning, and I th- I think that's where it's at. For the White Sox, um, for me, it's uh, um, Mancada, not Eloy. Eloy is going to be in player development this year. If you get 
somewhere between 17 and 22 home runs and 70 and 85 RBI. It's going to be a great year for him. But for me, it's Mancada. Uh, they they based trading the best one of the best pitchers, if not the best pitcher in the game, for Mancada and a couple other guys. Uh, for this to be an important trade that works out, Mancada has to show up and be a star player. And he's shown better signs in spring training. He's now playing third base, looking good over there. So for me, those are the two guys I'm watching all year. All right, before I give you my choices, I'm going to double up, give two for each team. I want to remind everybody that Joe Madden can be heard here each and every Tuesday at noon on the new Lawrence Holmes Show. Joe Madden, Cubs manager, every Tuesday at noon with the Lawrence Holmes on the Lawrence Holmes Show. Bruce, I'm going to go with two players on each team. And again, I'm not saying these are your best players, although some people might think that they are. This is for the teams to be as successful as possible, and that's for the Cubs to be definitely a playoff team and for the White Sox to be successful. For the Cubs, I'm going to go with the two guys who were injured last year, you, Darvish, who only had the one win, of course, I think it's ultra important that he stays healthy and be successful and live up to that contract. That's number one. And Chris Bryant to have a rebound season. Nobody's going to be wrong with their choices. This is just a preference. For the White Sox, I am going to go with Jimenez. I think for the White Sox, and I'm just trying to get them to be at least semi-respectable, I think he's got to show that he's the player that everybody hopes that he's going to be. And I'm also going to go with Lucas Giolito. Now, some people might go, well, why are you going with him? Because I actually have confidence in some of the other pitchers. I think uh, Lopez, who's pitching later today, is going to be good, and I think Rodon is going to be really good. I need to see something out of Lucas Giolito to make sure that he's part of this pitching staff. If I was going to expand mine, I would be right with you. Um, I would probably uh, put Darvish in for the Cubs and – Giolito, because the White Sox rebuild, in my opinion, it, it's gonna it's gonna go and and they're they're gonna improve. But without starting pitching, and without guys that are gonna be viable for the next five or six years that they can count on there, you're not gonna win. You you just aren't. I don't care what your bullpen's like. I don't care how early you bring in your bullpen. Uh, you're gonna have to have guys that can give you a six good innings, at least five in this day and age. You know where they keep you in the ball game, three runs or less. Uh, it's not asking a lot. It's a high ERA if you throw five innings and give up three runs or less. Yet that's acceptable in this day and age. Bruce, we're going to give away some tickets uh, in the ten o'clock hour. We have a couple of pairs of tickets. We'll do that twice during the ten o'clock hour. Two tickets. Uh, to the White Sox opener. That's next Thursday against Seattle. So stay tuned. Stick with us. In the 10 o'clock hour, we'll be doing that not once but twice. But for right now, let's go out to the phone lines. Again, our phone number, 312-644-6767. For the White Sox and the Cubs, the most important, maybe one or two players in order for them to be successful. Let's start out in Northbrook and pick it up with Mike. Go ahead, Mike. You're on Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce and David. Yeah, how you doing this morning? Uh, Good. My two, my two most important guys, and on the Sox, and there's a lot of them. Jose Abreu to continue the the great hitting that he's done for them. And I'm sorry, he's just as good as Rizzo. Take a look at the numbers, but Rizzo gets way more attention. Jose gets no attention, and the other guy is Colomi, because the Sox need somebody if they are in games late to come down and be able to be a closer. Because the last couple of years, it's just been non-existent there. So. That's my two most important guys. Mike, uh, you want them to extend Jose Abreu at some point during the season? Definitely, yes. He should finish his career with the Sox. He should be the leader. You need to have – the Cubs have shown you need to have some veterans on the team, too. It's not just all young guys. You know what I mean? Right. And this guy's a guy that can add a lot of leadership to 
to other uh, Hispanic players, okay? And I think that they look up to him. So you, you need you need the guy there. All right, so Mike. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, you can't be wrong with your picks. Uh, no, absolutely not. That, that's the beauty of it right now. It, it, it's like going I, to a, an ice cream shop. You might like vanilla. I might like chocolate or strawberry. Right, or I might go somewhere else to eat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or you might get a milkshake. Who that's knows? Right. <laughs> All right, let's go back out to the phone line. Southside and Ron. Go ahead, Ron. You're on Inside the Clubhouse. Okay, good morning, morning guys. Uh, I definitely have to say you're on Lincata. Uh, as, as you know, know the, the batted what's what's second in the top of batting order. You know, uh, I just think guys, he uh, very pivotal. Um, I was going to pick Tim Anderson because he plays a, a critical position at shortstop. Um, the other person is, is Carlos Rodon. Mm-hmm. He, he looked pretty good yesterday, guys. But I, I need to see a full season. I mean, this, right now that's the number one pitcher. Uh, we talk about Kopech and Dylan Cease, but uh, Carlos Rodon has been looked upon as, the, as, as your ace for a while. And, uh, and last year, guys, uh, first baseball game I went to was 1967. I was 10 years old. My dad came home from work and took me in. I, it's, it, I, I, the impression left on me, as you can tell, I, I love the game since. And, that, and then later on, I realized we went probably in July or something, and it, and it was probably when the White Sox uh, win that pennant. Did, did Joe Horland pitch that day? Joe Horland carried tears. That was a great pitching staff that they had back in yeah. those days. Great pitching staff. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Ron, thank, thank you. Thank you, Ron. Ron's a good caller. Love hearing from him. Yeah. Uh, 312-644-6767. Let's continue on. River North and Matt. Go ahead, Matt. You're on Inside the Clubhouse. All right, to me, the two most important Cubs is, and I got a comment after that, Hugh Darvish. Uh, and I think Contreras, I think he needs to bounce back. No worries about, you know, Bryant. Um, and I agree with you, Bruce, with Strope, but I, I do think Morrow will be back at some point. And I wanted to know what happened to Scott, uh, to James Norwood, because I think he's got terrific stuff. And I know I, he's a, he throws hard. Yeah. And the other thing is the call of a comment that Bray is as good as Rizzo, it's not even close. It's not even close. Uh, I think it's so orange, much harder. I think it's oranges and apples, honestly. Uh I think one is uh, for, for and thanks for your call, Matt. Um, Norwood's uh, around; uh, he might be part of the team at some point. But uh, with the, the the final part, you know, Sox fans picking their guy, Cubs fans picking their guy. You know, I, I just think that uh, Abreu has been unappreciated as type, the type of hitter he's been in baseball. But um, you know, he's he's thirty two. He's going to be thirty three. It's in the last year of a contract. White Sox have not made a commitment to him. He said that he wants to stay with the White Sox. Um, they love him. They love him, but they haven't offered him a contract yet. Well, we got Rick Hahn on at, at uh, what time do we have him on? We have 1030. him on at 1030. So we'll point blank ask him, are you going to sign him? to? Yeah. A, you know, I'm sure Rick, Rizzo us. would like to stay a Cub permanently as well. It's interesting because there, there's a, you know, yeah. it's a little bit of a conflict because they have to pay a lot of players on both sides of town, and these guys will be older players when their contracts are come. Uh, come Rizzo's up. contract, one of the most favorable team contracts in recent history. The White Sox have had theirs. Certainly Chris Sale was uh, among the best in the history of the game, if not certainly the White Sox. All right, let's take one more phone call before we take our first break. Spring Valley and Stacy, Go ahead, Stacy. Hey, You're on Inside thanks, the Clubhouse. Thanks for having me on. Happy sure. Saturday morning. Hey, my two guys are Kyle Schwarber and Wilson Contreras. And my reasoning is, is uh, the pitching staff's there if they're healthy. And if Kyle Schwerber and Wilson Contreras can start hitting up to their potential, who's going to stop that lineup? 
Yeah. So that's all I have. I'll listen to you guys. I, I think that's, that's a great call, and it could mean the difference in 50 to 75 runs for the Cubs, which would be huge, uh, knowing that you can't walk or pitch around the top of the order when uh, Contreras and Schwarber are waiting for you down there. I'll tell you what, I don't put a lot of credence into spring training basically because uh, you're not going after the best pitchers all the time, but Schwarber was just hitting the ball everywhere, driving the ball with great confidence, uh, taking pitches. He looked like a, a different hitter, but again, it's spring training, David. Everything changes on opening day. Yeah, and and he has a habit. And, and he of, didn't start. Yeah, he has a habit of breaking windshields. I understand. Out yes, of, he does, including yours. Yeah, he, what a hole in one. <laughs> <laughs> and that was uh, that was fun. Uh, actually, the windshield is going to be uh, auctioned off. He's going to sign it. That's great. And it's going to be auctioned off for a charity for Cubs Care. All right, before we take a break, I don't know if anybody saw this. I, I noticed this on, uh, gosh, who, whose Twitter? I, I can't remember. There was a shirt that somebody was wearing, a San Diego Padre yeah. jersey. Did you see this, Bruce? Yeah. About Machado. It said San Diego Padres, the number 13. And then above it, instead of saying Machado, it had 300 million. <laughs> all, you know, in the numbers, that is clever stuff. Yeah, it is. Clever stuff. Think he'll sign one of those? Uh, yeah, and probably you know sell it for a million dollars on eBay or three hundred million. Three one two six four four sixty seven sixty seven. Again, we got Scott Harris from the Cubs and uh, Rick Hahn from the White Sox coming up, and we'll take our first break here, and we'll get right back to the phone lines. Neil and Chip, you're first up. After we get back, you're listening to Inside the Clubhouse. The open stance. Here comes the pitch. Javi swings and hits one to deep right field. Going back, looking up at the wall. Goodbye. Number two on the season for Baez. A three-run blast. And the Cubs have broken this thing open. They lead the Rangers 7-2 to here in the fifth. I know that voice. It's, that's, not, it's not bad news, is it? No, that's our own Zach Zabin. Yes, that was the second of two home runs by Javier Baez. I bet you was in the fifth inning. I think you're 100% correct about that. His first home run, he golfed it to left field. The second one, he went with the pitch, and he just hit a hammered it to right field. A really good start for Javier Baez. Really good start for some other players around the major league. How about Paul Goldschmidt with his three home runs yesterday? We were talking before the show, Bruce. I think he's going to have much more of an effect positively on the Cardinals than Bryce Harper will on the Phillies. Well, as our buddy Steve, uh, Jeff Vukovic always points out, look at the ballparks in the National League Central and tell me the ones that are not easy to hit out. Uh, there's Pittsburgh where it has a deep left center field, but very favorable right field. The, most of them are all great hitters parks. And Goldschmidt is, you know, doesn't have to – playing some of those really cavernous places on the West Coast anymore. And he's he's a terrific player to begin with. So the Cardinals are automatically a lot better with Paul Goldschmidt being in the lineup. And he hits in the number two spot, which you and I were talking about also before the show. It's really amazing. This is one of the big changes for me since, you know, and I, I go way back in baseball, as do you, where you have a lot of power hitters in the one or two spot in the lineups. It never was the case right. when we, both of us were and, growing up. And the reason why? Is because they all the managers want to have their best hitters as far up in the order as they can. Because? Because, well, I'll let you, you get You blank. get the extra at bat. Of course. One and two guys will bat five or in a particularly long game six times rather than just the four where you see the th- three and four hitter sometimes only getting that fourth at bat. So 
The idea is I want my best hitter, my most productive hitter, get as many at-bats as possible. It's like the old Bugs Bunny thing. Just get all your power hitters at the top of the order and just hammer away. Well, they're all power hitters now. I guess they are. Yeah. There's a lot of home runs already. Look at the Dodgers. Yeah. Eight home runs in that very first I, game. I think the first the first game uh, had 48 home runs around Major League Baseball. Uh, last year, the, the most on one day was 49. Should we start already the rumor the ball is juiced? It's juiced. Whatever. Uh, 312-644-6767. We have some good guests coming up, but let's go back to the phone lines. Let's go out to Niles and Neil. Neil from Niles. Go ahead. You're on the score. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I think the two Cubs that they uh, really need to show something this year, Wilson Contreras and um, Chris Bryant. I think Contreras needs to come back from last year and Bryant, after that lousy spring he had, really needs to. We really need to see that his shoulder is better this time. Yeah, I, I can tell you his shoulder is better because he was Thanks, pulling the ball, uh, David, and hitting line drives. Two players, two different, you know, left field, center field. You know, I I have no doubt that he's back to being the the player that he was uh, a couple of years ago. So, and, and people have short memories. Last year, the first six weeks of the season, Chris Bryant was as hot and is uh, and doing magical things as much as anybody in the game before he hurt that shoulder. What's this rumor I heard that Chris Bryant? I don't know if it was attributed to him or somebody else that he he might not be or can't be as nice as he was in the past. That I don't know what that even means. First of all, he can't help but be nice. He's just a nice guy. Yeah. So I don't know where that even emanates from. I I, I don't know about. I mean, you can't find a more accommodating thoughtful guy when you ask a question or when he's responding to anybody. I mean, that's just the way he was raised. It has nothing to do with being a baseball player. He, right. Uh, you know, I, I was talking to him about his contract, and I this was like, you know, four days ago. And he, I said, you know, all these rash of, you know, contracts, you know, does that, does that push you to want to sign? He goes, no, it doesn't push me to want to sign. He said, I make a lot of money already. I have enough money for my family and their families already. It's about being prepared for the season and being ready to go and play and win. And when we, and then he said, when, when you say that people, you know, start to roll their eyes because they think you're just giving them a cliche in this room. That's what we believe in. So I'm glad he says that. Well, I mean, that's Chris Bryant, you know, and, and, but people do roll their eyes when they say, you know, I don't care about the money. All I'll do is care about winning. And, you know, these are professional people. I mean, you know, I know you make millions of dollars in your job, but you, you, the job is number one for you. I'm looking behind me. You, enjoy, you, were, you were pointing to me and I go, what? You enjoy your job. You enjoy reporting news and things that are happening. And uh, that's, that's the essence of do. It's not because of the money. I mean, you do it. You do want to earn money for your family and, you know, for your livelihood. But honestly, you know, it's about the passion for what, what you're doing right now. Back to the phone lines. Let's go up to Madison, Wisconsin, and Chip. Go ahead, Chip. You're on the score. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, my two Cubs are you, uh, Darvish, and Brandon Morrow. Um, mostly, obviously, from a performance standpoint, you know, Darvish goes without saying. But if Morrow can come in and be that shutdown guy, then that moves Strope and everybody else kind of up a notch where they can be effective with those laid outs, you know, Montgomery, um, you know, uh, some of the Brock, some of the other relievers. But uh, also from a Cubs fan psyche standpoint, those are two guys that weren't here in 2016. And 
we saw a big money flow out to these two guys, and uh, we're skeptical because we've gotten no return on it so far. So I think it would help the team, obviously, but also Cub, Cub, fan, Cub fan psyche. Uh, and then if I could real quick, I wanted to share my first baseball day sure. memory. Um, this was April 9th, 1982. I was an 11-year-old boy um, from downstate Illinois, but I got uh, got to go to opening day with my dad and mom um, and brother. And uh, it was the, the day Fergie Jenkins came back to the Cubs, so it was his return to Wrigley. And uh, it was April 9th. It was a cold day. There was still snow in the bleachers. Um, I remember it, was, it. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And uh, Cubs won five to zero. Bill Bill Buckner hit a two run homer. The Cubs won five nothing. And uh, I ran into Fergie at uh, spring training back in Sloan Park in 2016. And I just sort of met him for the first time. I said, "Hey, just so you know, you pitched the first ever game that I ever went to as a kid." I said it was the the home opener of 1982. And he he turned and looked right at me. And he said, "Yeah, we won five to zero. Bill Buckner hit a two run homer. All these years later." <laughs> All these years later, he remembered the game exactly. They all do. Hey, Appreciate uh, it, Chip. Thanks. Thanks for the remembrance of your first game. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's Bruce, so it's, impactful. It, it's really interesting because ball players are like golfers. If you ask a golfer, no, what did you hit on that fifth hole in the Masters in 1972? They'll remember it. Baseball players are the exact same way. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, we're going to have uh, Scott Harris, the uh, assistant general manager of the Cubs, coming up soon. Uh, we're also going to talk to Rick Hahn, the general manager of the White Sox. Your calls always welcome here at 312-644-6767. Text David at 6711. Eh, he, might, he might read one or two. He doesn't like it. And we'll also give away a pair of tickets, not once but twice in the 10 o'clock hour for the White Sox home opener. That's next Thursday. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse. You know, the game is just cyclical, I think, like anything else, the market and everything. And it just happens to be at a time right now where uh, – the extension market was pretty good. Um, that can always change going forward to next year. But for me in particular, you know, we just we had a lot of discussions. And regardless of what everyone else was doing, it just ended up being the right life decision for myself and my family. And uh, to get to be in Chicago on top of that and get paid this amount of money to play a game, you know, that I love. And I've loved it since I was a kid. Uh, I could ask for nothing more. And that was the voice of Cubs pitcher Kyle Hendricks. He was on with our Lawrence Holmes a little bit earlier this week. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse. I'm David Schuster. He's Bruce Levine. Bruce, before we get to our special guest, I just have to say this real quickly, and I think you will agree with me. There's a lot of nice guys in the sport of baseball. I can't think of anybody who's nicer than Kyle Hendricks. He's one of my all-time favorite athletes. Yeah, he's one of the best. And, uh, you know, as you walk around the clubhouses, especially with the Cubs and White Sox, you see an awful lot of good people, and I think that's by design. And that's why our next guest coming up here is, of course, Scott Harris, the assistant general manager for the Chicago Cubs, who was instrumental in signing uh, Mr. Hendricks here. Good morning, Scott. How are you? Hey, guys. How are you doing? We're Thanks doing good. Uh, you know, uh, Theo, uh, during his uh, press conference with um, with with Hendricks uh, the other day in Arizona, uh, pointed to you in the back room as you stood there along with uh, us media people and said, you know, that you were certainly instrumental in getting this thing done. And from from all my work on, uh, you know, watching this develop over the last couple months or so, this was not an easy job, was it? No, it wasn't. Uh, it felt like we were we were negotiating for about 14 months on it. Uh, but we're, we're tremendously proud to get it done, and, and we're proud of Kyle. Um, as an individual and, and a pitcher, um, we just think he really epitomizes what it means to be a Cub, and we're, we're glad that he's going to stick around for, for a while longer. 
you know, the, the rash of signings that have occurred here in Major League Baseball have raised a lot of eyebrows, Scott, about uh, just the, you know, why they're happening all at once and why they're all coming together over a two or three or four week period. Uh, can you identify from your perspective why all these contracts are being signed by these top level stars right now? Yeah, it's um, it's a great question. Uh, it this uh, this game often um, is a cyclical um, uh, game in terms of uh, we often copy each other uh, when when uh-huh. certain things happen. And I think you know we're we're in a special era of talented young players in our game right now, and uh, I think teams are incentivized to to lock them up and and keep them in in their respective cities for a long time, and so. I think as you look at some of the extensions right now, I think um, I think they're very fair. I think they provide the the player some uh, financial security, and they they um, provide some the team with some long term upside and in, in keeping them in that city and uh, and keeping the team together. Um, so I think it's really good for the game that that um, teams and players are are matching up on these extensions, and um, and that you're going to see your favorite players in the same city for a long time. We're talking with Scott Harris, Assistant General Manager of the Chicago Cubs. He joins us on the El Pimonte Ford Hotline. El Pimonte Ford, 500 new and used vehicles to choose from. It's interesting, um, Scott, because some negotiations, I guess, can come at the drop of a hat, and other ones take a long period of time, even though I'm sure, even the ones that take a long period of time, I'm sure they're amiable conversations. Why are some so quickly done, and why are some take so long, in, in, in essence? I, yeah, it's a great question. I think uh, we often forget about the human element uh, of these negotiations. Uh, these are really big decisions for the player and and for the team. And um, you know, certainly on our end, we tr- we try to look at it from very different um, angles. We we try to challenge each other to make sure that this is what's best for the Cubs. And then certainly on the player side, um, just going through this with Kyle, um, you realize there's a lot of voices in his head, and and um, and he realizes that that this is a uh, an inflection point for his career, and he he really wants to make the the right decision. So, um, Kyle Kyle was a little different going through this um, because he he has such high aptitude and and he's such a thoughtful person. He wanted all the information. He wanted to be intimately involved in the negotiations, and uh, and he wanted to make the decision for himself. Um, and I think uh, that that is. Uh, what really separates Kyle. Sometimes um, players just defer to their agents and, and ask their advice and, and go along with them. Um, but I think this one, this one took a little longer because um, Kyle was so intimately involved uh, in a good way. And he asked great questions and we met with him face to face multiple times. Um, and I, I think you, he did what's best for him and his family and, and his baseball career. And we're, we're really excited about it. And it's interesting that you point that out, that he was so involved in his own negotiations. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he was an economics major at a Ivy League school. So I'm sure dealing with him was not exactly dealing with normal ball players. I guess. Oh, yeah, he definitely kept us on our toes. He asked some, uh, <laughs> some really in-depth questions, uh, but it was fun. And uh, it, it was a really proud moment when we got it done and we were able to shake his hand and uh, and ensure that he's going to be pitching at Wrigley Field for a long time. Uh, one development from spring training, Scott, that uh, didn't work out but should be a long-term success is uh, sending Ian Happ out. Uh, you know, watching him, I probably saw him in 20 at-bats. Um, he looked like a guy that had uh, had not played uh, this spring for some reason. Um, can you explain, you know, what you guys saw and what, what your hope is for for him sending him down? Because it's just uh, it's a, it's a long shot away from what he was a couple of years ago when he came up and, and pounded out 25 home runs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
first of all, Ian is, is uh, similar to Kyle, and he's such a high-character individual and, and such high aptitude and, and very thoughtful about his approach um, to, to the game and to life. I think um, it's important to, to remember that development isn't linear, especially among young players, and, um, and that there are often speed bumps in, in a young player's development. I think we often forget how young Ian is right now, despite his, his success in the big leagues. And there have been many other uh, really talented players like Anthony Rizzo and Kyle Schwarber who also were sent down right. briefly. And, uh, and we challenged them with concrete adjustments to make um, to their swing and to their approach. And, um, and it's a credit to them. They went down to, to Iowa. They, and they made those adjustments. They proved that they worked. And, and um, they put themselves in a position to come back up and, and stay up here. And uh, we have no doubt that Ian's going to do the same thing. We've already seen some progress down in spring training. And uh, we're excited to get him back up in, uh, in Chicago after he makes those adjustments. Now, knowing uh, Ian and uh, his, um, his, his strong thought process and attitude on things, do you happen to have the video of you guys telling him he was going down to the minor leagues? Because I, I would love to see, I would love to see that. Not, not making fun of it, but knowing how intense he is, I'm sure he didn't take it well. Yeah, we we, we don't have um, <laughs> video of any of those. Um, nor would we ever allow. No, of course, video of, of course. Of those. Um, I was... But no, he's um, he's a he's a professional, and um, and he under he understood it. And um, again, I have no doubt that he's going to go down to Iowa. He's going to uh, focus um, with with that intensity that you just referenced on right. on making those adjustments and getting back to Chicago and, and helping his teammates out. Yeah, I wasn't making light of the situation. I just know when you ask him a question or when you say something, he's a hundred percent into exactly what's going on there, and he always is in the moment. So I know, you know, just from what Joe told us and everybody else, it wasn't an easy conversation. No, no, but, but that's why we love him. He's so focused on, on uh, the task at hand. And, um, and as, as you know, Bruce, in, in talking to him, it's always a, a very entertaining uh, conversation and, and often very light, enlightening because he, he's, he's very good at articulating his thoughts and, um, and challenging us. And so, um, again, when he gets back to Chicago, um, I, I think you're gonna you're gonna see a, an adjusted Ian Happ that, that's ready to terrorize uh, uh, big league pitching again. Hey Scott, obviously you work very very closely with both Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer, and and obviously most of the time it's very serious conversation because it's a serious business. But both those guys away from the you know the business, they both have a really lighthearted uh, personality about themselves. I'm just wondering. What is it like working with them both on the serious side and then sometimes just, you know, on the lighthearted side with both those guys? Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm very grateful to be in this position um, to, to work uh, and learn for, from um, two of the best that, that have ever done this. Um, on the serious side, they're, they're tremendous competitors. Um, they're, uh, they're, there's a, a term that we, we often throw around called deal fatigue. Um, where, you know, if you're negotiating a contract or no, negotiating a trade and you're on round 17, that, that sometimes people just give in. Those, those guys don't give in. Those, those guys don't ever give in. And uh, they've really taught me to be, be a, um, a great competitor in everything I do because ultimately this is a zero-sum game. And, and um, every single day we're competing with 29 other front offices. And, um, and they really embrace that as a challenge. And, and it's contagious uh, working with them. And then on the lighthearted side um, – they uh, they really make it fun. You know these jobs are so stressful. They're they're twenty four seven. They're they're as much a lifestyle choice as they are a professional choice. Um, 
so it's often tough to to relate to other people um, in other professions because we have such different stresses than than um, they do. And so uh, learning from those guys and being able to relate to them when we're in the stressful times or or you know um, when when it's a difficult situation has been um, a huge part of my development and my growth. And and one of the things they do is they they uh, embrace every challenge and they make it fun for everybody in the office. And um, I, I'm very very jealous of it, and hopefully I can pick up a thing or two. Assistant General Manager of the Chicago Cubs, Scott Harris joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. He's David Schuster. I'm Bruce Levine. We're here talking baseball 52 weeks out of the year and Inside the Clubhouse from 9 to 11 a.m. Scott, um, part of your job, you have many different jobs with the Cubs, but part of it is overseeing the uh, economic future and salary structure of the Chicago Cubs. How much of that time of your time does that take knowing that, uh, you know, you're looking at payrolls 2020, 2021, 22, trying to project uh, contracts that haven't been signed yet. Uh, these uh, must, must be uh, take up an awful lot of time and, and add uh, the creativity part to your job as to projecting what's going to be available and how to approach it going down the road. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's one of my the most interesting parts of my job. Um, in in these businesses, uh, there's no such thing as a short term decision. Um, every decision you make either has a short term sacri- uh, sacrifice associated with it or a long term sacrifice, and uh, it, it's on us to evaluate every single decision uh, and every variable from a variety of perspectives. Um, and so we always keep an eye on it, um, much as we did in in twelve and and, and thirteen as we were trying to set ourselves up for this, this window and, and, and it seemed to, to work out pretty well. Um, but we also have to keep an eye on, you know, the long-term future of our organization and make sure that we're setting ourselves up um, to win for as long as we, we possibly can. Um, so it, it's a challenge. It's a challenge that we, we embrace and it's a challenge that we talk about each and every day and, and text about during games and, and, um, and make sure that we have a steady dialogue about because it's so important to our future. Hey, Scott, uh, I will admit that I was a little slow to coming around to sabermetrics, but obviously it's as much a part of the game now as it is the defensive shifts that you're seeing in baseball. You know, the game has changed both on and off the field, and I know you're probably heavily involved in a lot of sabermetrics in so many different areas. You know, how do you use sabermetrics in your job on a daily basis, uh, you know, in everything that you do? Yeah, it's just another way to evaluate players. It's um, it's it's not more important than scouting or or evaluating um, you know a player's health or um, their makeup. It's just another another slice of the pie that that's uh, really important for us, and, and we we take it really seriously. Um, and there's another there's there's a an element in this game now of combining sabermetrics with um, uh, pregame preparation. Um, and so we, we take that really seriously. It's a key part of our pitching infrastructure and setting up our, our pitchers to succeed. Um, and, and, you know, we talk about Kyle Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks has a unique ability to uh, process data and weaponize it against hitters. Um, and that, that really helps him, him put up uh, the type of performance he has. I think he has the fifth, high, uh, the fifth lowest ERA among active pitchers in the game. And that's, that's truly elite performance. But one of the reasons why he's able to do that is because we do arm him with the data that can help him attack hitters' weaknesses uh, time and time again and, and um, put up that type of performance. So it's just become an integral part of our game. I, I don't think it has displaced anything else. 
Um, but it's just another way to evaluate players and to, to attack players in game. And that, that's become really important for us. Yeah. That's the interesting part of what, uh, even veteran players, uh, you talk to John Lester, you talk to, uh, even more so like a, a, a guy like Verlander who'll say, yeah, you know, the metrics department have, has allowed me to change the way I go about my job, have told me about the spin rate, have told me about the angle of my pitches as to how I can get people out without maxing out. And while I'm aging, I can continue to be a dominant pitcher. And I know Lester is an old school guy who has also, you know, embraced some of this because of the great preparation that you and your staff do. Yeah, for sure. And and sometimes you, you see with, with pitchers and hitters that they, um, that they, they think they feel something right. And, and pitchers are especially are so in tune with their mechanics and, um, and pitch grips and how, how baseballs are coming off of their, their fingers. Um, but sometimes through, um, through metrics and, uh, through video, we can show them something and show them that, you know, on occasion, uh, their their feel um, belies what's actually happening, right? You know, right. you might you know might feel like your you know your leg lift is is a, is a little bit higher than it normally is, but you can actually show them like actually no no it's it's right in line with, with what you've been doing before, and and uh, it's actually something else like like a trunk tilt or something like that that is that is changing your mechanics right now. Um, so it just helps us um, provide a more objective perspective, and you know, oftentimes the, the pitcher is right with what they feel, but sometimes they aren't. And, and how, um, and, and we can use different um, data sources to help um, help those pitchers find and correct different uh, mechanical flaws uh, immediately instead of waiting for for someone to see it with a human eye. Scott, uh, David, and I appreciate your time. Uh, keep up the great work. I hope uh, this is not a one and done for you. We'd like to hear from you during the rest of the year. Uh, we'll see you out at the ballpark. Thanks again for taking Absolutely. some time out. Appreciate Thanks, it. Guys. Thanks for having right. me on. Thanks, Scott. Scott Harris, assistant general manager of the Cubs, one of the up-and-comers in the game of baseball. You'll be seeing his name bandied about as a general manager uh, tender uh, later on. It's going gonna, it's gonna to keep happening because, uh, you know, the successful organizations like the Cubs, you know, people keep moving on, and uh, Scott's certainly up there. We have Rick Hahn coming up, White Sox general manager at 1030. Also in the 10 o'clock hour, not once, but twice, we're going to give away a couple of White Sox pair of tickets to their home opener next Thursday. That's against Seattle. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.